What's up, everybody? This is China Mike from the Made in China podcast, SourceFind Asia, SourceFindAsia.com. This episode is from a long recording that Rico and I did, chopped up into a few episodes, and we're calling it Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. One, because we talk about that movie in the podcast, and two, because we're all over the map with this conversation. We get down and dirty with uh, some things that are happening with the SFA, uh, what's going on in China. We get into Evergrande, Chinese CBA, Wild Ball, movies, streaming services, all of the above. So uh, sit back and enjoy and check us out online. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. What is the state of wild ball in China right now? It's dead, man. It's dead. You know, I spend less and like less completely and less. dead. No, it's not completely dead. I'll see people playing. Um, you know, there was a. I'm not on WeChat moments as much. I'm not having as many conversations as I was day to day. I'm almost having almost having no basketball conversations anymore. Tears shed. But yeah, the 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 games are few and far between. Not nearly as many games. You do see some times people posting games you know tends to be a little more localized than it was before i don't see i don't see the same familiar face faces traveling all over to every province playing um so reduced amount of games not as many uh big games where you'd have people from other provinces traveling to play and certainly you know every month <laughs> it seems there's another foreigner that's not in china anymore so you know, there was only a small group of guys, maybe a dozen or two dozen guys that that weathered the storm and stayed out there throughout the whole pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, from how it was looking and what I what I kind of heard is those guys were cleaning up. They were getting that's all I, I was about to ask. I was like, I mean, <laughs> if it's the only option for, you know, yeah. foreign assistance, you know, for the to bring the ringer in. So I would see those same guys holding trophies in, in, in every other picture. Um, but I know two people in particular have really, really benefited well. They both got uh, CBA contracts. And this is absolutely no disrespect to them or their game. Um, they're both excellent players. But I don't think that they would have had the opportunity to do that prior to COVID, just because, not because of their skill level, but because the CBA requires a certain kind of resume. They're looking for a certain type of name. Um, yeah. That's probably primary concern, even more than how they play ball and how they acclimate to life in China and acclimate to Chinese basketball. So these guys, you know, were quite good players, but they were in China more so on a wild ball tip, you know, doing these, um, promos and smaller money ball games and they were able to twist it into getting a, a pro job with the top league so you know the guys who have weathered the storm and stayed out there uh, I know that they've done quite well but not with a lot of uncertainty and challenges just like we were talking before with our business do you think there's going to be a resurgence of wild ball eventually 
there was about a half dozen times where I thought that the answer would be yes. I was having significant conversations with people. I was setting up guys to go back. We were working through the visa process, but I never made it to the finish line with any of them. The reason for that was because it took too long, too many ever-changing requirements. So we would get one thing done and it wouldn't be enough because there'd be a new set of requirements. Okay, we're going to figure out how to get this guy into Shanghai. Uh, we found a direct flight that's not 30,000 US dollars. That's not a joke. And we're finally going to get him in. He's got to do this 14-day quarantine. Okay, now it's not 14-day quarantine anymore. Now it's 28-day quarantine. Now they're requiring more documents than they were before. So it's tough, man. I mean, I know a guy who went through a lot to get back to China. I mean, a lot, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of hoops. Yeah, I, think. I mean, I had had a business friend of ours. Uh, he was he he went through a lot of shit. And he was I mean, in China for like two months and he was just like, he just, he messaged me because I asked him, I was like, how, how did your trip go? He messaged me, he was like, don't go to China. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only, he didn't even expand. He didn't say, he was just like, don't go to China. <laughs> I mean, the guy I was just talking about before he said that, I mean, he had a quarantine in Canada. He had a quarantine. I mean, he probably did 40 to 50 days of quarantine. Jesus. In total. So- uh, That's, but I mean, it's going to obviously relax over time, right? It's it's not going to be as extreme, I think. Perhaps. I don't know. Using China, they're not going to keep a 28-day quarantine permanently. I don't think that's going to happen. It's been two and a half years, man. Like, I, Well, yeah, no, I, I know that because there's been variants and all that stuff. But like, the way the world is moving, I think we are beginning to accept that this is just around COVID is another like a stronger form of the flu. And you would think you would think that yeah. would be the general. Maybe China concept. China might be a little bit slower to to adapt to. And not to get into the conspiracy theory side of things, but I have to say this. I mean, maybe the stuff going on in China that we don't know about, like in terms of there's always stuff going the, on in China. The, in terms of in terms of what what I mean specifically is in terms of the amount of cases. Sure. And and yeah, how se- how how severe things are because we're just you know we're just hear what the 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 news media says and stuff and obviously within the country information is restricted so yeah. you know there's always yeah. that possibility that it might be more greasy than we think you know what I mean for sure yeah man but uh, unfortunately I think that um, I don't think it'll ever be completely dead because Chinese people love basketball and they're going to keep playing basketball and there'll still be tournaments for sure but definitely what i experienced and you know what the guys i worked with experienced i think that's that's dead i think what we were doing before is no longer i didn't think it was going to be a cash cow for you know quite a few years to come and there would be a long time before it wasn't an option anymore but that wasn't the case it was uh it was fun while it lasted well, I think it might evolve, though. It might. I don't. I don't think it's good. like you said. I. Do, I don't think it's going away just because of no the, basketball. The China certainly game. isn't dead. No, yeah. but you know, I, I mean, even before coronavirus hit, I was seeing things um, becoming oversaturated and changing, and the same type of opportunities that were available to me in 2015 and 16 were no longer available in 2018 and 19. 
So mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think it'll evolve because they are absolutely basketball crazy, so basketball hungry. I think there's certainly going to be all kinds of basketball opportunities moving forward. How big or how many of those opportunities will be for foreigners, I think, remains to be seen. But there's cert certainly be some, you know, we got a news article that came up a couple of days ago that uh, the Shanghai Sharks are trying to pay Michael Beasley a, a seven figure contract. They said, mm -hmm. no, 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 I think it was eight. Anyway, millions of dollars to, to, to come out and play in a, in a condensed uh, CBA season. So they're still getting big names out there for their top league. They're still negotiating some guys to get over to do promos. So, I mean, there's, there's going to be basketball stuff for you. Looking at the, um, what's the, what's the Chinese Super League? Is it CSL? Chinese Super League, the soccer league? Looking at the disaster of that, like, uh, Okay, well, I guess generally, what are your thoughts around that? And then how do you how do you connect that with the CBA? Obviously, basketball is more popular, but like the same companies that were investing in the soccer league and, and all this stuff and bringing in all these foreign famous players and promising them eight-figure contracts or seven-figure contracts, you know, they're the same, same ones that own the, the basketball teams. And there's a, a lot of companies that i mean there's a lot of teams that have folded in the soccer league <laughs> yeah well i i would be actually i've read a little bit about it but you know it sounds like you might even know more than me about what's going on with the the soccer league have they completely collapsed not the not the entire league but like for example guangzhou evergrande well that's, i mean we yeah we know what happened with evergrande case, in general you know? yeah. but like there's at least i think there's like three or four teams that fought for bankruptcy and it was like these are teams that were backed by multi-billion dollar. Yeah, but Evergrande is one of them, I'm assuming. Evergrande is one of them, yeah. 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 So I imagine if that happened in the CBA, that would send ripples throughout the league, you know, if like the Beijing Ducks collapsed and, you know, were no longer uh, in operation, maybe the league would look a lot different. Certainly if like the Guangzhou, not Guangzhou, the Guangdong team and the Shanghai team, you know, if they were all experiencing this turmoil at the same time the league would look completely different and maybe be in a similar situation than the soccer league is so there's just a lot of uncertainty a lot of uncertainty. i think i think it's a fucking house of cards and i think what happened was because because all this stuff happened with the soccer league during covid so and part of the bigger story with guangzhou evergrande did we ever talk about evergrande on the podcast do you do you remember if we ever spoke i don't remember about about the the, the football team or the... the no, just the, the company. The situation. The situation. Did you, I do think we had a conversation about it. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not. Yeah. Do you, do you want to just give like a brief summary so that I can continue what I was talking about? Uh, I don't know if I'd give the best summary. Here's my, here's my, uh, my attempt <laughs> at it. But basically, they are uh, a housing-focused investment company and... The bubble burst, yeah? Yeah. I haven't read yeah. Ever, Evergrande for a couple of months, but they defaulted on a massive amount of their loans. They're a major, major, major company that, you know, when the curtains were pulled back, it was determined that they were just completely leveraged and putting massive amounts of money into these uh, kind of dead-end projects. And there's such a big corporation for them to not be to, to default on on their loan payments was a a massive massive 
situation. I mean, I've seen some estimates that $65 billion. Yeah. Some of the, the losses. Craziness. But they're the they're what the largest or the second largest property lar- largest largest number one yeah. largest property development company uh, real estate the, development company in China in China yeah and right. I mean they're they're on the Fortune Global 500 company so for them to start defaulting on their loans is a is a massive massive and, and, situation. Uh, I mean, maybe they thought they were too big to fail. They were looking at, oh, you know, 2008, the U.S. government bailed all these companies, <laughs> bailed out all these companies. And they, you know, the Chinese government just refused because they oh, were just I'm, like. I'm sorry. I'm reading an article from last year that says liabilities exceed $300 billion. So oh, 65 Jesus was Christ. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> no, that was conservative. That was very yeah. conservative. Yeah. 65 no i mean like 300 billion dollars like what the fuck like yo like i can't even wrap my mind around that like i, I can't like how do you, I, I can't imagine that how do you end up in that situation you know as as a business like how do you end? but then again that's why i said i think it's a house of cards situation because yeah, you know you the talk about made the, off uh the effort. there you know just built a giant ponzi scheme well, you know, okay, not to. I guess we're gonna go off topic here, but like, um, it goes back to this whole Silicon. I was thinking about the Silicon Valley stuff. Like, I watched two series recently, which was the the one about WeWork, uh, we crashed, uh, and then the other one was about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. I don't remember what the name of that uh, TV show was. I watched the documentaries before, and I read like some books about that stuff, but. What I'm learning about those sort of companies that get evaluated, like I think Elizabeth, uh, like Theranos was evaluated at like $11 billion at its height, but they were not making any money at all. It was just like evaluation based off of speculation, based off of, oh, we have this IP and this is what the investors have put into the companies were there for. You know this company is is worth X amount of money, and it's the same thing with with WeWork, which I think was evaluated at a much higher rate, and they were just burning cash, and making you know not that much profit, and it's all this this it's like a this scheme of like oh yeah this company is worth billions and billions, but they're not actually making any money, and it's 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 kind of like a game or it's an illusion in some aspects. And I think that, like, in China, with some of these companies, like an Evergrande or, you know, let's say the the Chinese soccer league, it's a similar thing where, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, we are, you know, Guangzhou Evergrande. We're the best team in China. Like, we have all this money and all this stuff. We're going to pay, you know, this dude millions of dollars to come and play for us. But it's all borrowed money. It's, it's all, all borrowed money and it's like yeah, it's all, endless overexpansion, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then the moment that you get the bank saying, no, we're not going to give you any more money, they fucked. And that's basically what happened during COVID was the banks were like, you know what? Like we are losing a ton of money and it's COVID and we need to start collecting our debts. So if yeah. you guys can't pay back your debts right now, like we are not going to give you another line of credit. This is not happening. And, and what I read uh, about Evergrande, and I've seen with some other 
Chinese large corporations is um, it's not so clear to understand their books. You know, it's a yeah. very it's murky, convoluted, very convoluted, very murky to try to understand it. You know, super complex. So, you know, maybe it could have been noticed earlier. Maybe someone else who is uh, you know doing an audit would would notice if it wasn't for the complexity of of how they're set up and not having you know all the information about the company's assets and, and, and liabilities. So I think uh, it, it, I'm sure somebody was aware of it and speaking about it before it happened, but it kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because we don't like on so many different levels, we don't really know what's going on in China, you know? And I, I mean, I feel like when we were physically there, it was a little bit hard. It was a little bit easier to understand because it was like, okay, you're traveling around China. You can physically see what's going on. And even though, you know, um, like right now we're outside of China, but we have people inside China. Uh, I'm not talking about manufacturing right now. I'm just talking about economy and, and scale and things like this. Hearing it from your staff or hearing it from like friends that are there, it's like sometimes you go like maybe the wall is being pulled over your eyes and you don't fully see what I would see if I was physically there. So it's a really interesting time right now where you're looking at China like, hmm, have they over, have they over leveraged themselves? Have they tried to get too big too fast? You know what I mean? Depends on who you ask. I mean, I think in the case of, of Evergrande, it's hard to argue the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you see this going? Where do you see stuff with china going i don't know man that's a tough question it's a tough tough thing to answer you know especially as a as a foreigner who has a lot of business interests in china a lot of friends a lot of connections you know you, even talking about this stuff sometimes make you sweat a little bit it's hard to say you know i i have a lot of worries you know you see how much they've tightened things down there's um some cause for, for major concern. If you have your head in some of the message groups I was talking about before, you're consuming a lot of Western media, it seems way more doom and gloom than if you're actually, you know, dealing with, with Chinese people on a day to day. Um, I'm hopeful though, you know, I'm always trying to remain optimistic and, and hopeful and lean back on all the great friendships and great business relationships we have there and just this ever positive attitude that you know once these issues arise um, people will find a way through them and you know humanity will will prevail but um i don't know man it's 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 concerning all those biometric codes you were talking about and constant yep. testing and the uncertainty of being able to leave your house or travel in some some situations that stuff's stuff's scary man yeah man um i i, I think for me, again, still trying to be optimistic. I think that we positioned ourselves in a good space. And for anybody that is curious, like I'm still in the Philippines and people ask me like, oh, do you want to go to Canada? Do you want to go to Zambia? Like, like are you going to stay in the Philippines? I have to be in the Philippines. Like, because I, know I like the Philippines as well, but like from a business perspective i work in the same time zone as as the china team so you know if both mike and i are like six hours behind china or 12 hours or whatever i mean that's not going to be 
good for the, the company at all, right? Like, you know, we're we're going to be responding to you know our employees' questions and things like this super late or you know, the next day. It's just going to delay a lot of stuff. So that was a big part for me. So in terms of the optimistic side, is like I think that one cool thing that I realized during this whole time period is, man, we we can work remotely. This is a changing business dynamic economy and all that stuff. Of course, we still have to have staff on the ground in China. And our staff has grown on the ground in China, even while we've been outside of China. But it's the work that we put in before that has allowed us to be outside of you know, China. I, I, like if the pandemic happened in 2016, let's say, like we probably would have ended up shutting down the company. Like it would, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see us surviving that situation. You're probably right. Uh, I also think a big credit goes to, you know, the people we work with and in, in, in China in general for being able to adapt. I mean, we've been talking about this for, for years and years and years. Um, when I first really got the, the, the wheels going with Source Mind Asia, um, you know, we were operating out of uh, San Yuan Li, um, mm-hmm. Bayun District, old part of Guangzhou, where all the markets are, right? And this area was bustling when I moved there. It was just insanity, man. Just um, factory fronts and people from all over the world, Chinese people plugging orders, so many stock purchases, constant trucks and bikes and logistics operations flying by you left and right. It was so crowded. It was so alive. And and towards the end of my stay in China, that evolved so much. Those people that uh, had been doing business one way for five, 10 years, we're really able to switch up on a dime and totally change their business. You know, these people went totally digital in such a short amount of time. You know, they would all have Alibaba pages. They would all be plugging e-orders. You know what I mean? Like so many, uh, so many fewer people, foreigners would, would be there. The traffic in the area was far less. And, and it was just interesting to see them kind of changing with the times, uh, you know, as all these different applications started coming out to make the sourcing process a little bit easier, um, as Alibaba kind of took hold and people were able to find factories uh, a little bit easier than they than they were in the past. Uh, certainly WeChat and how that um, helped communication. So, you know, that that continued as well throughout the pandemic. And I think people were able to transition not everybody we saw a lot of factories fall by the wayside you know mm-hmm. go out of business but i think in general chinese people really adapt quickly when it comes to to business and that was a big help for us to be be able to do that so talking about adapting you talked about us uh, sort of transitioning from working with startups and small to medium-sized businesses to us working with more medium to large size businesses, established companies, just in terms of SFA itself, like wh- like where do you where are we right now? What are your thoughts around this? Like we haven't really spoken so much about. We spoke about like why we were absent and all that stuff, but like where do you see the company? Where do you see us going? Like where do you what are what are we doing in the future? 
I mean, obviously, I know the answers to these questions. I'm just, <laughs> just trying to relay them for the audience. I mean, I think we'll revisit this question in, in six months after the Discord is off the ground. You know, yeah. um, I think that's such a big uh, transition for us to just raise our minimum requirement levels to take on projects and to be the actual point people who are communicating day to day with the factories versus but, uh, but, but beyond that beyond that it's like we're talking about creating a community like community and these kind of things like where do you see us going you mentioned DAOs. you mentioned things like that you know so i'm saying where do you see us going with what we're doing right now is what's what's uh no man i get what's the dream the what's the dream stuff. this should be a discord exclusive content right here man <laughs> uh, this is the money maker <laughs> this stuff uh just within the team if you know what i mean okay yeah without going too deep into stuff um i see a lot of massive potential with uh with web3 and a lot of the new applications that are coming out rico mentioned DAOs. i think there's just such a world of opportunity creating DAOs and you know operating off of smart contracts that's something that i'm putting a lot of time into and i have some friends close to me that um are really also, diving sh- in first. Sh- sh- shout out to kevin uh our new and one one of our newest employees who's been fantastic with everything he's doing with discord and, and uh some of the marketing initiatives yeah, he's one of these younger dudes who's uh just fully everything we're talking about and i'm learning about he's he already seems to have a pretty good grasp of so it's 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 a pleasure working with him and you know young guy who knows who understands everything we're putting down and kind of kind of the vision of the company moving forward but yeah i see a lot of, of opportunity on, on on that side um you know, that we've sagged into working with some of these larger clients and we've seen, you know, we already knew, but we're getting a lot of reinforcement on on what we're capable of and the type of um, large operations that, you know, we can manage or help in some way or another. So that's been, that's been really exciting. And I think that that will only continue to be taking on bigger and bigger operations and, you know, at least, um, being in the running for, for some of these big projects. Uh, we talked today about some things, some conversations that I'm getting into over here. And I think some of that stuff is what I'm looking for moving forward. I don't know, man, I, I feel like things have changed so much and are changing so rapidly uh, that I'm keeping my, my, my future focus limited to a, a six to month six to 12 month time frame as opposed to something significantly farther down the road than that you know i just feel like too much can happen and i'm just going to take it as it comes i think that's a good attitude to have at this current current stage for me i'm just excited to like launch a community i mean we met through a community right we, mm-hmm. we, we met through enter china and um, now ec and you know, as much as I admire what EC accomplished and things like that, there were certain things that I wanted to do. And, and long-time listeners know that I was a partner in EC at some stage. And I left. I explained why I left. Uh, so if you want to, you know, listen to that podcast, then go ahead. But essentially, I just, you know, we had differences in terms of opinions and certain things that I wanted to do. Me and Luke wanted to accomplish which was more community focused stuff, like interactions and things like that. 
So I think for me with a Discord and launching a community with Discord, which we rarely launch, we have a community with the podcast and the YouTube and the SFA Digital Summit.com, SFA Digital Summit.com. But like, I feel like with the Discord, it's a little bit different because it's like daily interaction, right? And it's it's daily interaction, direct interaction. It's, you know, people posting their questions, um, not, not even just me and you answering these questions. It's, again, the community, res- like resources, answering to each other and building that. And that's what I'm really excited about because I think that, not to get a little bit too woo-woo and whatever, but I feel like my purpose, one of my purposes in life is to teach. So they, I really enjoy, you know, helping people learn about stuff. And not only that, but just the networking aspect of the the community and, you yeah. know, the type of brainstorms that you have and the business opportunities that come from that. I mean, I think that's been the, the, the biggest struggle for me in the last two years of just being in one place and being in a place that you know doesn't have some of the the energy and some of the people that we're used to linking with on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis um mm-hmm. you know, it's been really hard you know even in when i was in chiang mai i mean you know that's considered like a lower level digital nomad type city but Man, every day I was meeting somebody cool from some other part of the world doing something interesting. And not to say I can't meet people like that occasionally in Chicago, but it's just uh, it's different, man. Not being able to to move around as as easy as we were, we're we're missing that. And you know, we that's my favorite part of this business is is just networking and connecting people to each other and just figuring out ways that, you know, we can take advantage of, of the current market situations and opportunities that arise from it. Bro, bro, I mean, it's like um, Micah that um, you know from China and playing basketball within China. And, um, so Micah is a, a good friend of ours. Uh, Mike met him first playing basketball in Guangzhou and he works for uh Maybe I won't say the company that he works for. He works for a rather large conglomerate that is a global business, offices in you know probably over a hundred different countries. And um, I met him in Manila, like just randomly at a bar, and we were talking about our lives. And he's like, "Oh, I've, you know, I lived in Guangzhou and, and all this stuff." And then next thing you know, we connect the dots, and it's like, "Wait, you know my business partner?" Like it was just like, "Wait, what?" Like this is random dude in the bar and he's like yeah he's like yeah i know i know china mike and all this and um you know those are the kind of like those kind of connections don't happen when you're you know you're just living in a bubble uh, in a sense and what happened is micah went to indonesia and he's like currently in indonesia right now and then i introduced him to people that i know from indonesia or i met in indonesia you know oh, it's just like how there. that yeah, that's just how that works. It's like this dude that yeah, I yeah. that met you in Guangzhou, that I met in Manila, that you know, it's like this whole melting pot. And, For sure. Yeah. You know, it's 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 awesome. Like I was, I was just thinking about it. It's like even the the person that I introduced him to, which you know who that person is, that person lived in Guangzhou for years as well. Uh, it, it studied in the U.S. and 
and X, Y, and Z. So it was just like, man, like so Guangzhou, Indonesia, like it's just yeah. all this, you know, cool. this falls on. Like, that's that's how it works, man. That's how it's supposed to be. And there's been a lot less of that. Yeah. Since, much. since we're not meeting these people on a regular basis. So yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm extremely excited for that aspect of, of the community and just really try to provide a ton of value and good content so that we can keep maintaining that. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Made in China podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinasia.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, sourcefinasia, all one word. Cheers. I mean, the world's in denial, but they all know what I'm headed for. <sighs> we about to feed these youngins to the metaverse. Meanwhile, I'm over here just trying to pen a verse Cause I'm done being extra with the extroverts The label used to wonder how I'm supposed to stand next to Vert Probably never thought that I would get these legs to work I work hard, but hard shit don't need no extra work That's why I show up in a sweatshirt and let it burn The world's mine, I just say fuck it, let it turn The girl's mine, I just say fuck it, have a turn The goats call me to the side like, can we have a word? I could've fronted, but I did this shit how I preferred I know I should be humble, but it's something I just haven't learned. Soon enough, I had to make these bad habits burn. Soon enough, we about to come.